Well, Wayne was a neighbor to a younger family, and one day Wayne noticed something peculiar uh, coming through the door. It was a jar, it was a screen door. The cat was bringing in some kind of carcass, some kind of animal. Uh, he, he was struggling with this. He was trying to figure out what it was. He wanted to get to it, and sure enough, he picked it up, and he realized that it was a rabbit. It was Bonnie's bunny, the little girl who lived next door. And he felt so badly, and so he thought to himself, how can I move through this problem? How can I face this challenge? And so he took this limp rabbit over to the sink, and he began to, to wash the blood stains off of it and the dirt. And, and, and then he had to somehow dry it, and so what did he do? He used a hair dryer, and... Uh, you have to think about that a minute. And, and, and he was blow-drying and fluffing up this rabbit, Bonnie's bunny. And he thought to himself, now how am I going to redeem this situation? And so that night, he walked over to the cave, to the, to the, me, walked over to the uh, cage, and, and he opened it up, and, and, he, and he propped the bunny up in the corner and shut it to somehow uh, leave his cat from any guilt and him from feeling badly. The next morning he was sipping coffee and forgot about it. He noticed that there was a ruckus over in the neighbor's yard. And so he walked over and the mother of the little girl came walking quickly toward him and said, Wayne, you're never going to believe this. He said, what? <laughs> Three days ago we buried Bonnie's bunny behind the garage and lo and behold, this morning, there's the body. <laughs> and he said, amazing. <laughs> well, now that I have your attention, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, well, they shall live. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you that the story is much different on Easter Sunday. That you truly came back alive. You were not simply propped up. But you have risen from the dead. And we are moved. And today, you still are able to roll away stones. And so, help us to be among the living. Help us to be raised with you in your resurrection. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it just seemed like well, not long ago, we were kneeling and we had the application of ashes on our forehead. It was Ash Wednesday and we began a journey together during the Lenten season. And this week, Holy Week, unfolded and we remembered how Jesus communicated to this misfit group of followers 
that the Son of Man would be handed over and crucified. And, and this baffled them because they knew what a crucifixion looked like. They knew what a Roman crucifixion, this common form of punishment, was. And so it, it, it was a struggle for them. There was one among them as they were sharing in the Passover meal, Jesus declared, one among us will betray me. And they all asked the question, is it I? Is it I, Lord? And Judas, he topped it off, ironically, kissing Jesus as the betrayer. And the Passover, in the midst of that Passover, there was a waning loyalty to Jesus. Jesus entered the garden, and there it says that there were drops of blood as perspiration. And he fell on the ground and he prayed probably the most important prayer that was ever prayed. My Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And he was arrested and he was subjected to cruelty. And as that arrest unfolded, the trial began and subsequent or condemnation. And a rough Roman cross was posted and he was affixed to it on Golgotha, the place called the Skull. And ironically, he was crucified between two criminals. One admitted his guilt, the other denied his guilt. And then it says in the Bible, he breathed his last. Jesus Christ died. The disciples hid in the darkness. And then there was the crack of dawn. That first Easter morn, that Sunday, the women came down carrying all that was important for preparing the body. They wanted to do something beautiful for Jesus. And in a strange way, the stone had been rolled away and they walked in and they found it empty. And they were puzzled and perplexed. And about that time, two angelic figures in dazzling white proclaimed news that has reverberated through history. He is not here. He is risen. And don't you remember how he said that he would be turned over into the hands of sinners and persecuted and would be crucified, would die, and on the third day, he would rise up. They were amazed. They were taken by surprise. They were stunned. And they dropped their spices and dashed off to the other 11 disciples and some of the other women. And they told what they had seen and what had been absent and who had been absent from the tomb. Many of them thought these women are crazy. But Peter, we love Peter. Peter pauses for a moment and then dashes off toward the grave with a spirit of expectancy and fear mixed together. And I just wonder if he asked that same question 
that has been asked all Lenten season this year. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And now, Peter, I, I just wonder if Peter hearkened back to that conversation that's recorded in the Gospel of John chapter 14 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die. You see, that statement and the reality of a resurrected Christ validates gives credibility to every other statement Jesus made. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so it is that the other I am statements are true. John Wells says the Gospels do not explain the resurrection, but rather the resurrection explain the Gospels. You see, Belief in the resurrection is not some kind of appendage to the Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. Every Sunday that we join in this sanctuary is a resurrection Sunday. It's an Easter Sunday. It's a day that we celebrate like those early disciples did. In fact, when the question came up, who is Jesus, after the resurrection, Peter preaches in the second chapter of Acts, the very first Easter sermon. The first Easter sermon that was ever proclaimed. And he says, this Jesus Christ has raised up and all of us were witnesses. In chapter 3, you disowned the holy and righteous one, he's talking to a crowd, and asked that a murder be released to you, speaking of Barabbas. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses. And so Peter, as a good attorney, says he has credibility because we were witnesses. And so this morning, as we gather on this Easter Sunday morning, my first Easter with you back since I was way back when, uh, your associate pastor, by the way, someone's joining the church at the 11 o'clock service, and they remember me in an earlier life here. And they said, we're excited about coming back to North Bowman. We moved to Atlanta. We've come back. And Tim, we remember when you were the associate, you had dark hair and you were slim then. <laughs> I love that kind of encouragement. <laughs> and, and, and so... There is a two-pronged implication, I believe, for us on this Resurrection Sunday today. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, number one, that life speaks to us in Christ as abundant. We have abundant life. Life abundantly. We have been raised with Christ. It's interesting how in this passage that was read by J.C., one of the angelic figures said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? 
Why are you looking for someone who's alive in the midst of a cemetery? For he has risen. And in Colossians 3, Paul writes the church at Colossae and he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind and heart on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Get this. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died with Christ on that cross. And you have been raised with Christ from an empty tomb. You died. What does that mean? What does it mean to die to certain things? There was a woman doing a children's message in her church, and she was speaking to really four-year-olds, actually. And uh, she was asking the question. She was talking about what it means to go to heaven. And in the middle of the exchange with them, she asked them a question. So if I sold my house and my car and I took all my possessions and put them in the garage and had a yard sale and I gave all that money to the poor, would that get me to heaven? And in unison they said, no. And so she said, well, if I gave candy to kids like you and was really nice to older people and loved my husband and my children, well, would that get me to heaven? And in unison they said, no. And she asked, well, what will it take? She was looking for the answer. What will it take for me to get to heaven? And one little boy, without missing a beat, said, well, first you got to die. <laughs> and you know, there's truth to that. Because when we are walking in our discipleship and our followership of Jesus, to really live means that we have to die to certain things. We need to die and allow Christ to put to death those dehumanizing behaviors that we we act out before others and self-destruction that we are about in our own lives. And we have to bury certain things in the tomb. We have to die with Christ. That greedy you must die. That jealous me must die. That self-centered you must die. That regretful me must die. And it can die once with Christ never again to be resuscitated or revived again. You see, the Christian life is about removing the vices and allowing God to supernaturally do that and putting on the virtues. And then you have been raised with Christ. You are a new creation. And it takes something supernatural we cannot do this on our own. And the wonderful thing is once we die to certain things and we are raised to Christ, we are free from the devastating effects of sin. And we can reclaim the wholeness in our lives from dysfunction and brokenness. I was visiting with a family 
in their home recently and we were talking about family systems and just the, the brokenness in the family. And we both affirmed this, that God has allowed us in this generation to maybe break some of those unhealthy cycles. That in Christ we can be committed better. We can communicate better. We can forgive better than maybe some others in our family. Speaking humbly, but intentionally allowing Christ to help us to become new and alive in Him. It's kind of like the scoutmaster I had. He would uh, come and wake us up and he would stick his head in our tent and he'd say, okay boys, it's time to look alive. It's time to look alive. And we would moan. And he'd say, I want you to come alive. we got to cook breakfast. And I thought to myself, what does it mean to look alive in Christ? What does it mean to be raised with Christ? Well, I want to suggest to you that there's joy in our lives. And joy is not the absence of suffering, but it's the presence of God and the recognition of the presence of God. There is a freedom. We can die to the bondage that has held us incarcerated. We can be free to, to love others in maybe ways that we haven't loved, been loved. And, and there's a kindness. And we begin to see with the eyes of Jesus compassion. And we're able to say with Paul, I can be content in all things as I am in Christ. And so this two-pronged implication for us as Easter people this morning is that we have died with Christ on the cross and we've been raised to new life. And we have life abundantly. But when he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life, I think he was speaking of quality of life and quantity. The cross and death, Satan thought, here's my one last shot. Jesus Christ pulled off the greatest comeback of all time. Christ would defeat the grave. And we find comfort even when we go to a grave. That this life is not all that there is. Jesus says in Matthew 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet will they live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The reality is that the resurrection of one man leads to the potential for the resurrection of all of humankind. I like how one person said, death is no longer a period that comes at the end of life sentence, but rather it's a comma that transitions us from one reality to the next. That's the hope we have, men and women, today. That the grave has no victory. Death has no sting. And today I believe that God is calling us into that redeeming and renewing 
very much alive kind of relationship with Him, where we surrender ourselves in a willing act to accept His grace and mercy. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you join Jesus Christ in His death and in His resurrection. And you're able to say, because He lived, I will live also. And so Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Even if he had not said that, he made a powerful statement that first Easter. Tony Campolo tells about how he went to a funeral. It was an interracial church that he attended. And tragically, a young man named Clarence had died. And they were having the funeral. And in a beautiful way, as the African-American community can do, they moved through a litany in the service of worship. And it was very spirited. And there was the casket. And the pastor stood by the casket. And the casket lid was open. And he did a wonderful job doing a, a theological treatise, but really speaking powerfully of the resurrection of Christ and the implications of this. And then he turned, and there was the corpse and the open casket. And he said, Clarence, Clarence, there were a lot of things we should have said to you, Clarence, that we didn't say. And so we're going to say it right now. And he invited the congregation to be open to sharing. Some people would pop up and say, I remember when Clarence gave me money when I didn't have any. And I remember when Clarence gave me a ride when I was having to walk. And just a, a long list of testimonials. And he said, see Clarence, there's a lot of good you did and you lived for God, Clarence. And we're proud of you, Clarence. But all I've got to say, Clarence, is good night. And with that, he took the lid of the casket and slammed it down. Boom! Everybody was shocked. He said, good night, Clarence. And then a smile came over his face. And he said, it's not good night, Clarence. It's good morning, Clarence. And with that, the choir began to sing. It's a great getting up morning. We will rise. We will rise. said, don't you want what Clarence has? You can have it too. Easter is a time where we celebrate that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And that we can die to certain things and let go of certain things that are destructive in our lives. And we can be raised, resurrected, with the power of Christ's resurrection in our lives to allow us to say, as Paul says, I'm an overcomer with Christ. That speaks to the quality of the promise that in Christ we will live eternally in the presence of Christ in heaven because of the great work he did. Because
has he emptied the tomb? Our hearts are full. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. 